0: breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do at Veterans Path. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness. And we try to do that typically in outdoor settings so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word PATH, peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do at Veterans Path and then increase support of Veterans Path and increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more people. And finally, to reduce the stigma around mindfulness, meditation, and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give, us, please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. As far as today's show, I am honored to have as my guest Heather Moore. Heather is a Navy veteran, an Army spouse, an Army mom, a cancer survivor, a health and wellness enthusiast, a yoga teacher, a high school teacher, and a tutor, an artist, a student pursuing a master's of science in yoga therapy, and a musician where she plays the bagpipes. And we're going to learn a lot more about Heather, her time in the Navy, her being a military spouse and mom, her recovery from cancer, and her road to becoming a yoga therapist. And that's all here in today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. But before we jump into the conversation with Heather, for the audio version of the podcast, I'll go ahead and stop right here for a quick plug for our sponsors. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is Heather Moore, a Navy veteran, Army spouse, Army mom, and cancer survivor. Welcome to the show, Heather.
1: Thank you. I am grateful to be here and honored to be able to share this opportunity to speak with you today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, we spoke a couple months ago and you have a phenomenal story of, of recovery and, and overcoming adversity. So I was definitely excited to, uh, to know that you were gonna be able to come on the show and, uh, and share that story with our listeners. I think they'll definitely benefit from hearing that. So I kind of start every show off with just a standard initial question. You heard me with the intro, running through your, your kind of professional bio and a little bit about your, your personal background. But what else would you like our listeners to know about you, Heather?
1: Um, uh, I'm just uh, someone that wants to help others. Um, I was helped a great deal uh, by uh, my yoga uh, instruction when I was a yoga student. Um, And so I am looking forward to continuing uh, to help uh, people with yoga and you know yoga therapy more specifically.
0: Yeah, perfect. I mean, that's that's really the point of the show is, is helping other people out to uh, overcome their own obstacles, overcome their own adversity. So that, that's that's perfect. So I, I want to back up uh, in in time and discuss your time at the Naval Academy, and and I know your your husband went to West Point, and so I'm sure that there's a, a fairly healthy Army Navy rivalry in, in your household. There sure uh, is. <laughs> who do you cheer for during the Army Navy game? You know. <laughs> good, good, Definitely good. <laughs> good, because that, that would end the conversation right there. <laughs>
1: yeah, we have to sit on opposite ends of the couch, you know. and um, <laughs> But we get through it, and, you know, we're still together. It'll be 25 years in April. So, uh, you there know. There you go.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, going back to your time at the Academy, uh, when we first spoke, you mentioned some adversity that you actually – kind of faced when you first got there, not when you first got there, but while you were there, can you talk about what you went through uh, in two aspects? One, as a woman at the academy in general uh, in, in that time, and then uh, what happened with your basketball career there and how you adjusted?
1: Sure. And when I was preparing for this uh, discussion with you today, a phrase or a, a saying came into my mind, when one door closes, another will open. Sure. And, you know, I attributed it to Bob Marley. But (laughs) actually, when I researched it, it was Alexander Graham Bell. And he said, you know, when one door closes, another opens. But we so often look uh, too long and too regretfully upon the closed door. Mm -hmm. And we missed you know, the opportunities with the open door. And so, you know, in looking back at my story that I was, you know, that I'm prepared to tell you about, um, that was sort of, that's been my path. Um, you know, one door closes and another opens. And so it started by getting accepted to the Naval Academy back in, to be part of class of 1991. Um, but one of the last basketball games of my senior year, and I was recruited to play for Navy as class of 91, but my, one of my senior high school uh, games, um, I tore my ACL and my meniscus. I really blew blew the heck out of my left knee, which uh, you know I couldn't go to the academy then that summer right. to join that class of '91. So what other opportunity did I have? Well, I ended up going to a prep school. It was a civilian prep school um, where I could rehab because it was a you know back then ACL reconstructions was a nine month rehab. I mean they had me in a, a mobilization cast for about six weeks, and so a lot more. Um, time that it took to to rehab from that so so i went to a prep school up in massachusetts Um, i was pretty bummed because the rest of my classmates from high school were going to college and i was a 13th grader you know (laughs) in high school still but the opportunities that i um had up there i mean i was introduced i took a chinese philosophy class um, i took some art classes and i did a learn to row program uh, learn, you know, for crew, um, mm-hmm. just as part of my rehab, and um, little did I know that then I went to the academy the next year. Um, I was accepted into the class of '92, um, and I was back on the basketball team because I rehabbed well. But one of the preseason scrimmages we p- were playing, uh, plebe year, I ended up hyperextending that ACL oh, and had the doctors, you know, looked at it and they said, You can't play anymore. Because if you injured anymore, you won't be able to finish school here or graduate. Right. So my basketball coach, uh, Dave Smalley, uh, was an amazing, he was like a father figure. And he said, hey, it's more important you graduate from here than play basketball for me. And so he pointed me in the direction of the (laughs) boathouse over there on camp, you know, and I went to see the crew coach. And I had had, luckily, some experience rowing up at Mm -hmm. prep school. And so I took to that really well and quickly and ended up, um, being able to row for four years. I was in the varsity team, uh, on the varsity boat, my sophomore year nice. and stroked the varsity boat junior and senior year and ended up team captain as well. And so, um, you know, I thought, heck, that was a bad thing that happened to me, you know, tearing my ACL and having to defer a year and not be able to play basketball anymore. Cause that was really, I love, I still love basketball. Sure. But it opened that door with the rowing program, and I you know it's amazing. and the camaraderie and the teamwork in a in a boat of eight, you know, with right. the coxswain. yeah, it's amazing, uh, amazing teamwork. So yeah. I really enjoyed that. As far as um speaking to the female um, aspect, um, you know, I You know, I had those girls. My 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 crew uh, were were my support system, and um, we spent a lot of time together because we often would practice before school started at five or five thirty, and then we go back to the boathouse after school and practice again. So I spent and weekends. You know, we were a three season sport really. So we were we did travel a lot, um, and I just had really developed deep connections with with my teammates. So that helped you know,
0: sure.
1: help me get through.
0: Yeah, having a, a support system is always critical. And we talk about that regularly. And that's actually one of the things that that Veterans Path is trying to develop is that community among veterans, uh, you know, as people are hanging up the uniform and they, they kind of feel a loss of a tribe or a disconnect, we're trying to develop that community and, and continue to support one another, much like you you guys did, guys being gender neutral yeah. term um, yeah. there at the Academy. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's critical. And I mean, I, I think that obviously crosses gender boundaries too. I mean, whether you're male, female, however you identify, having, having some type of support network there is, is absolutely critical. So, <clears throat> well, a couple of things. First off the crew, I, I tried to row crew my freshman year. I, uh, I was enlisted for a year in between uh, when I graduated high school and when I went to the academy and uh, in high school, I'd been a runner. And then when I was enlisted, I was trying to go into the the, into the SEAL teams. And so I put on a lot of weight. I packed on weight uh, intentionally trying to kind of get ready for the cold water out there. And so uh, when I got to the academy and I tried to run, at that point, I'd put on too much weight. Uh, the coach there said that I needed to weigh two pounds per inch of height. Which uh, I was at the time six three, so seventy five inches, one hundred and fifty pounds. There was no way I was going to get back down to that, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so I uh, tried to row crew for a while, um, and it is an incredible uh, sport, incredibly difficult. Um, Knowing what I know now, I kind of wish that I'd stuck with it because it it requires an incredible amount of uh, of concentration, uh, right? I mean, so that you don't catch those crabs. Uh, the, the, that's what, that's what it's called when you, you know, when your oar catches the water for our listeners. So you don't catch those crabs and, and, you know, end up getting thrown out of the boat or or hitting somebody else in the team. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of a, a mindfulness exercise in and of itself. It requires discipline. It requires concentration and it requires uh, mental tenacity to, to stay focused during a race, during training, you know, rowing to the top of the Severn river there, I'm sure you did that plenty of times. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's a, that's an incredible sport and I'm sure it helped to lay the foundation for, for who you are today. Uh, as far as basketball, um, you said you still love basketball. I, I'm sure you watch March Madness normally. Um, and now going it's through hard. this, yes. yeah, it's, it's so, right. it's so bizarre. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's no bracket, there's no, no games. And I really feel for the seniors on all those teams who have been looking forward to this season, uh, where, you know, they had a chance to to win the championship and, and now, uh, and now it's been taken away from them and then not just seniors in, in, uh, in college, but seniors in high school too, similar where they've been training for years and now they're seniors and now their last season has been taken away. And, and this COVID-19 coronavirus piece, uh, as a teacher, is something that I want to get into later in the conversation, yeah, but sure. definitely, uh, definitely, uh, so it's a weird time for sure. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I rambled on there for a while. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> uh, as far as I did
1: want I did want to say back to the crew piece for just a moment. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. I think that uh, my experience on the crew team did really predispose me to. Mindfulness and we did a lot of visual. our coach led us through visualization training so that when we weren't and we weren't in the boat But we were visualizing, right. you know, our eyes closed and visualizing that perfect stroke and 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 again Yes, as you said the concentration that that one-pointed focus um, But being surrounded by the beauty of nature Also and that peacefulness, you know that we experienced with but when the water was calm, of course the right. Severn often wasn't
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but But, um, but to be able to be surrounded by nature as well, I mean, it was all, that was, it was, it was meditation and mindfulness, um, and relaxation before I even knew, you know, that that was yoga.
0: Right. Right. And, and also, and I will eventually move on from the crew here, but, (laughs) you know, getting up early in the morning and then, uh, you know, getting out on the water when it's freezing cold, sometimes there's ice out there on the Severn and, and. That's another piece that I'm sure helped to develop your your mental tenacity. Uh, I mean, it's just a, again, such an incredible sport really helps to develop that that mental toughness. So as far as your Navy career, what did you do after you graduated uh, Navy and and how long were you actually in?
1: Yes, so I graduated and uh, chose Supply Corps. And so I went down to supply school and it was in Athens, Georgia at the time. And as an aside or sort of a little piece, you know, for my future story, that's where I ended up meeting my husband, my now husband, he was just finished ranger school at Fort Benning in Athens, George is not far.
0: That was my next question is how you guys met. So perfect.
1: So he was visiting a high school buddy and, um, who was in my class at the civil and uh, we, we met, but we didn't think, you know, we were just both starting out on our careers. Right. So, um, so anyways, I went to supply school, finished that, and then was assigned to the, um, USS Emory S land, uh, which is a, a ship, a submarine tender, uh, Out, it was out of Norfolk with the Naval base at the time. And so I was on the ship for, well, about two years. And then I blew my ACL again.
0: How'd so, you do that this time?
1: So I was running on the beach.
0: Oh wow. Hit
1: a hole, hit a hole in the surf that I didn't see and went down and, and I knew right away because I had experienced this before sure. that that was it. So I was off the ship because there's a lot of ladders and things, you know, mm-hmm. um, get through. So I was, but I was working the, the warehouse because for sub-squadron eight. And um, while I was rehabbing, I noticed a lump right in, in my, on my abdomen, right in from my hip bone. And so I went into the doctors and they did some tests. They couldn't figure out what it was. So they operated, took it out. Said, well, it's not cancerous, but it's a tumor that needs to go—a desmoid tumor—and mm-hmm. so, they didn't get it all, so they had to go back in um, second surgery. Jeez. And so, but you know, um, they got it uh, clear margins the second time, and I was ready to go back, you know, get back to work. Yeah. At the same time, I got a call from my detailer in the Navy. With their detailers, right? Um, and they said, "Yeah, we're going to recommend that you be medically discharged." Um, so, you know. Um, I'd been off my ship for about six months and fallen a little behind on, you know, working on my, my
0: qualifications, qualifications,
1: correct. And so, um, you know, at the time it didn't seem like I had too many options, you know, to, to, um, you know, talking to them. And so, um, so I was discharged. Um, but again, that door closed, but then, um, you know, I married the army, (laughs) so, which was another adventure, you know? So I got to start on that new adventure. And I think being a, you know, uh, prior military, you know, having military, um, service time really kind of set me up well as a military spouse, because I understood, uh, the lingo, the army's different, but you know, we can pick it up pretty quickly. (laughs) You know, what is it? Um, head and Latrine. Latrine.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, so I was able to, you know, learn quickly and, um, but I think understanding deployments and, and just, you know, understanding the nature of the tempo that, that, that we, we act, we operate at. Um, and then I was able to help other military spouses who were completely unfamiliar with the experience and created a lot of stress and anxiety for them. But I was able to, to help, I think, um, with that transition for them and, and, and guide them and, you know, provide some, you know, information that made it easier.
0: And you're still doing that with, with veteran spouses. Uh, yeah. And that was, uh, that was another one of my questions is, um, how did that military spouse network take care of you both as a service member and then later as a, as a spouse?
1: Sure. Um, I wasn't so much involved with the military spouse network as a service member. I was young, you know, as a young uh, Ensign and Lieutenant JG, and I was on a submarine tender that mostly didn't leave port much. So um, we had so much work to do, you know, in port servicing the subs as they came in um, that we really, the the spouses were connected with their families because they could mostly go home you know, every evening. Yeah. Uh, I really didn't get involved with military spouses until I became one myself. Um, but I guess I need to go on maybe a little bit further with my story uh, to really introduce you to just how deeply uh, those military spouses uh, relationships um, have have touched me and sure. made in my life. And so, you know, married the army. Um, we actually uh, moved, we were at nine different posts in the 23 years that we were married, um, I counted 14 different houses Jeez. because nine posts, because sometimes we'd move off post to on post once on post housing, sure, sure. Or one time Matt was deployed unaccompanied to Korea, so I moved up and you know I was off post until he came back, so right. but um, all those different places, and I got to meet all these different, um, wonderful people with all, they all have had great, interesting stories. And so I started to develop those relationships. And as I move, we'd stay in contact. And I remember when Facebook came about, that was really great for us because then we could, you know, really, really connect at, you know, even deeper level as far as what we were all doing. So, um, you know, we got to go overseas twice. We were in Australia and and the UK, so nice. that was amazing. You know, was part of those those nine different places we were in. Um, we had two boys. We still do. You know, they're seventeen <laughs> and nineteen now. Um, and as you said, the oldest is in the army right now at Fort Lewis. But we'll talk about that some more later, yeah. um, if you if you want. But um, you know, we came back from Australia in two thousand and nine in the fall. And Matt was taking command of a battalion. It was a reconnaissance battalion um, at Fort Riley. Um, and, uh, you know, this was sort of the pinnacle of his career as far as being able to command, you know, command troops. And they were they were set to deploy to Iraq. And this was gonna be his second deployment to Iraq. Um, and a few months after he took command is when I found out I had cancer. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it was, um, it was in 2010 and in the spring of 2010 and I was diagnosed with stage three B anal cancer,
0: hmm. which
1: is not only embarrassing. Sure. You know, but yeah. um uh, but also really scary because you know the doctor said you need to get your, you know, your affairs in order. You need to have a will, because this is not, you know, the chance you but basically they gave me a 40% chance to make it to uh, 2015. So less than oh, 50. Wow. So if you're in odds, you know. Yeah player you know so um and at the time my boys were in let's see first and third grade mm. you know and then and then matt was was scheduled to deploy um that fall so I knew I needed to get get my act together, you know, and this cancer was attacking me, but, you know, I wanted to attack back and, and at multiple fronts, you know, so yeah. so I went to the doctor. I said, okay, what kind of support services do I have? I'd like to see a nutritionist. I'd like to see a, you know, a talk therapist. I'd like to see, you know, what else, what else can I, you know, let's, let's, let's kick, let's kick this thing. And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? You talking about <laughs> this thing? what are you talking about? And and I did see a nutritionist and she said, shop around the outside of the grocery store where the fresh things are. Don't shop on the inside where the, and I said to her, but I already do that. I don't eat a lot of processed foods. I'm a healthy eater. Um, I'm, you know, and so she said, well, I can't help you then. I don't know what to tell you. So I, I did end up using, and I don't know the Navy had, we at the time we had a thing called army one source, Mm -hmm. which was a, a, I don't know if it was, but there was a military one source as well that all the services had, but it was a place you could call for, for talk therapy. Um, and so I, I used that and that was very helpful, but I also sought out a yoga instructor because I knew that I needed to reduce my anxiety levels mm-hmm. because I was very anxious again with my boys and my life and and my husband Deploying. And then I also needed the doctor said the cancer treatment, the chemo, was going to lay down scar tissue in all my joints. And then I needed to move, but I needed to move gently. Again, they didn't really tell me how to do that. Yeah. They didn't really have a clue. They just said, just do that. So I went to this yoga instructor and I told her, and she worked with my breathing mostly, just w- with relaxation. And um, she, uh, also did very gentle uh, yoga poses and movements to help, and and this is really the first. I I was always a gym. You know, I was hanging out at the gym. You know, as a military spouse, I taught classes um, at on post gym. You know, I taught spin and and um, ab work and um, I'm trying to think what else. It seemed like I was always over there teaching something. <laughs> so. Um, and I had done some yoga classes, I'd taken some, but mostly from a fitness perspective. Mm-hmm. And so working, her name was um, Anna, and Anna Franklin, and she worked with me. And I came to realize that what she was doing was yoga therapy. Um, and I just knew that if, when I got through this all, I really wanted to help other people um, who, were, who went were going through similar things because Um, Her work with me was so amazing. And I'll say the doctors couldn't believe how well I did through the treatment because I had chemo and and radiation. It was five days on, you know, Monday through Friday and then have the weekend off and I Monday through Friday and then the weekend off for seven straight weeks. And so it's, it's a short treatment, but it's really intense. Sure. And they said 95% of the patients that go through this end up having to halt treatment they get hospitalized cause their blood counts go down, you know, or they get really sick. And, and so it takes longer and it's not as effective, but I was able to, you know, really attack it and get through those seven weeks without taking a break. And I attribute it to, to my yoga practice.
0: That's incredible. Yep. As, as far as you're initially seeking out yoga before you met Anna, um, What was it that inspired you? You said you needed to move. You knew you needed to move. You knew that you were going to end up um, having the, uh, I think you said scar tissue. Um, How did you know at that point? Had you read up on yoga? Had you practiced it before and seen the results? Uh, What was your background in it that made you seek it out as as a modality to help you out?
1: Sure. I just, it was a few classes I took at different posts. I was, you know, again, having moved so many times, Um, Because I think this was probably our seventh, yep, seventh post or eighth. And that was number eight. So, um, you know, I took, I had taken some yoga classes in Australia, at Fort Lewis, um, at Fort Riley, um, maybe even some in the UK. So i had been exposed to different styles of yoga classes um, and the relaxation that we did at the end, the yoga nidra, the breathing. Um, And so even though, again, at that time, I was, it was a, you know, something to add on to my fitness routine, um, I began to see the benefits of it, you know, just through those different, different exposure to different instructors and different teaching methods.
0: Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. And and you practiced throughout your chemo or did you practice up at... So how was that? I mean, I, I imagine that the chemo and the, and the radiation, um, like you mentioned before, it normally puts people down and they have to extend their therapy, extend their uh, treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that actually look like? So you're going to yoga in the morning, you're going to chemo in the morning. What was the actual process and, and how did you manage to keep that up through that sure. treatment?
1: Well, um I don't remember the exact sequence. I know I'd see Anna. I don't know, maybe I only saw her twice a week, but then I do the practice that she taught me the other days. Nice. And I also tried to get out every day with with someone uh, with me and just walk around the block, just to to get out again, to be in nature because that's important to me, and sure. to and to move gently. And so I'd start with the, with the yoga practice that Anna did either. I did it with her or, or on my own. And then I take that, that walk. Um, I usually, I can't remember now, you know, if I did the chemo and radiation before or after, but, um, but it was that regular practice certainly. And then that plugs into this piece about military spouses, if I may. Yeah, please. At Fort Riley, I mean, we'd, we'd only just gotten there um, again right before Christmas, and I get diagnosed in March and start my treatment in the beginning of April, and, but the military spouses, some of them didn't even know me. I mean, we hadn't been there that long, but they um, came together and they organized um, everything. They had somebody walking the dog. They had someone, the boys walked to school was about three blocks to, this, to the elementary school. And so there was someone that signed up to walk the boys to school. There was someone who did the grocery shopping. There was someone who walked with me in the neighborhood, someone to help me take, take me to my treatments. I mean, they, I didn't have to do a thing.
0: That's beautiful. Um,
1: I will say that it was hard at first. Sure. To accept Fried. the help, right. And yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned because I was always so active and so independent and headstrong and I can do this, you know, I can do this, that it was hard at first. to It was overwhelming to, to see all this help and, and to accept it um, humbly and graciously. And I learned that. And I'm, I mean, it was amazing and because they wanted to help, they felt helpless too. And so, you know, they, that was their way of, you know, of, of, of helping out a a fellow military spouse. I even had a military spouse, uh friend who we had been stationed at Fort Lewis with. That was two postings prior. Her husband was going to be deploying too. And so she and her two teenage daughters moved to Kansas to Fort Riley to help take care of me. So I, a military spouse and, and her daughters, I mean, she, her teenage daughters agree and they were given up high school, you know, and, and stability there to come support me. That's Holy the kind wow. of, that's the kind of support that military spouses give each other. And it is, it's amazing. Yeah. And so again, I mean, it, I take it back, you know, I, I learned that um, community, that support network in the, in the crew shell, right. In right. that man, that eight man, and it just, you know, Blossomed, you know, and every post again. Like I said before, that networking and the kindness that we we give each other, and and it culminated in that experience when I was so sick and everybody was so generous.
0: That's so, incredible! Wow, I've never heard of support like that. That's wow! It, what a blessing. Yes. Um, as far as the support network, I was going to come back to the crew team too, and and the, the fact that you know you had the the eight girls in the boat with you um, and and relying on them as a support network while you're at the academy. So you, you learn to rely on the network, but at the same time, while you're rowing crew, while you're going through all that tough training, the tough races, you're developing that kind of mental toughness that we talked about earlier. And that's almost a mental toughness that had two sides to it during your therapy, during your cancer. One, it helped you to get through it, obviously. Um, But two was, it was probably hard to, Accept that uh, help, like you mentioned, it was hard to accept that help because you were so mentally tough. So you almost had to humble yourself to accept that. Uh, so it's almost like a double-edged sword that that mental tenacity, that mental toughness that you had. Uh, but wow, what a blessing that network was. Uh, and that's that's uh, talking about going back uh, to the walking outdoors. That's another piece of what we do at Veterans Path is getting getting people outdoors, uh, get them moving and realizing how powerful being outside is being in nature and then being mindful about what it is they're doing, what it is they're seeing, what it is they're smelling, hearing that kind of stuff and, and how that can kind of help you out mentally when you're are going through trials like you were going through. Um, Can you speak to how your mind was uh, personally going through the, the chemo, the radiation, and then, afterwards and what you did besides the physical piece the yoga uh, How that was affected or what you did to to get through that mentally?
1: so An image just came to my mind um, When you were asking me that question and so the first when I got diagnosed and I had to see my first uh, oncologist I Put on my cowboy boots and my cowboy hat and my You know my jean jacket and I I kind of I mean, I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm not a cowboy (laughs) or cowgirl, but I wanted to I wanted to exude this um, idea that I was as tough and Strong as I felt inside, you know, because again the military, you know We're gonna and and we're gonna we're gonna kick this we're gonna attack it. We're gonna take we're gonna We're gonna take it down. Yeah, I mean we're gonna and so um, and actually, you know, my, 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 my husband's an army ranger. And when he, when I, when I got the, the diagnosis and told him, you know, he punched me in the shoulder and said, yeah, you got this, you got this, <laughs> you know? um, yeah, he, you know, I remember when he went, the first thing he told his mom, when, when, uh, we were dating and he was serious, he said, yeah, you know, I met this ancient Chandi. she's strong and she's tough, it had nothing to do with, you know, I was cute. I was, you know, whatever, you know, it was strong and tough. And so, but, but it's, but that's how I felt when I got diagnosed and that's how I wanted, I wanted to um, you know, to, to, to attack. Yeah. I didn't want it to take, I wanted, and, and I think that's something that we've learned that we're talking about in yoga therapy a lot too, that a lot of times we get diagnosed with a disease and then we, we identify with that disease. We become the disease. I am a cancer
0: patient, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and
1: I think I was always able to say, okay, I am Heather and I have cancer, but I didn't, it didn't, Overtake me even mm-hmm. though the diagnosis was was severe. I was I you know, I always felt like um, You know, I was it, it wasn't me and I wasn't gonna let it become me
0: yeah.
1: um, And then humor. I mean again, I've, I've you know, I, I got connected again through military spouses who knew people there weren't any other anal cancer um, You know patients going through that in my network, but they knew people all over the country, you know well, not there weren't that many there were two or three that they connected me with, that I was able to talk to and get some dietary advice. Because again, remember the nutritionist didn't, didn't have that for me Yeah, and also joke. And that's what we decided that anal cancer, you know, patients and survivors are some of the funniest people on the earth because <laughs> you have to be, I mean, you have to be right.
0: Yeah. So,
1: um. So, yeah. Uh, so I just tried to uh, maintain that attitude of, I, I think too, I looked at it sort of as like a deployment. Okay. I saw, you know, there was the beginning of the treatment. There was an end of the treatment, and I was just gonna, you know, push through, see that light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, and do the very best that I could to um, to stay healthy and stay on top of it um, to get through. And then, of course, I had all the support.
0: Sure, sure. Well, I love a couple of things there. One, you know, making sure that you're not defining yourself as the cancer or as a cancer patient, or as, uh, you know, even a cancer survivor, you're Heather and you were dealing with cancer and that was a separate part of your life. Uh, Then the, 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 the humor that you dealt with that and you know, we all say that laughter is the best medicine. And I I truly believe that there's all sorts of chemicals that come with laughter that do in fact, that's the best chemotherapy, if you will.
1: I got to say, I got to interject here that before that before we logged on here together, I was doing some laughter yoga because I'm I'm actually a certified laughter yoga instructor oh, Nice, and so um, I was because it does it it releases um, t- Tension and anxiety just through laughter and it increases um, You know endorphins and it, endorphins, it there's sure. so many. yeah, it is laughter is the best medicine it it yeah, it reduces stress And so I was literally laughing At myself in the in not at myself with myself in the mirror in the bathroom just breathing and and prepping for our meeting today.
0: Perfect. Well, uh, that's a that's a great segue into my next kind of question or set of questions. Um, Yoga therapy, yoga teaching, and laughter yoga. Um, I've had a yoga therapist on a few weeks ago, but maybe some listeners didn't hear that. Can you speak to the difference between a yoga therapist and a yoga teacher, first of all? And then since you brought it up, can you tell us what the laughter yoga looks like and what that consists of?
1: So, um, you know, again, I told you I was a yoga student Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, a yoga, then I was receiving yoga therapy from my yoga instructor during my treatment. And I knew that I wanted to become a yoga teacher when I got done to help people like I had been helped. So I went through the teacher training. Mine was over the course of a year. Um, it's a two hundred hour program, but we met one weekend a month, but it gave us ample opportunity to study in between mm-hmm. each meeting and um, we'd meet for an entire weekend. and um it was it was great. And I started teaching right after I finished my my certification process, and that was in twenty thirteen. So I've been teaching for about 7 years. And when I teach, like most yoga instructors, we teach a class. We have I've had anywhere from 2 to 25 students in a class at a time. Nice. And when we're teaching, we're teaching, now there are many different types of yoga, uh, all different styles, um focus you know, foci on, you know, different, on different styles and things. Mine was always a gentle Hatha style yoga practice, but I, I was teaching to a group, right? And so I'm mm-hmm. trying to keep in mind, you know, sometimes, especially at the Y, where I taught there was a wider age range. Mm-hmm. So trying to keep that in mind, but not really being able to specialize for a specific group or a specific set of needs. Um, and then I taught teenage classes too. So now that was a little... I that was more specialized because they were all teenagers. So I could do different things with that group than I could with a, a group that had anything from 18 to 75 year olds in it. So that's, you know, yoga. Yoga therapy takes it deeper because while I'm teaching at the Y mostly, I'd have my um, students come to me and say, hey, I've got Parkinson's. I have COPD. I have sciatica. I. T- twisted my ankle running last week, you know, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And I had a general idea with that 200 hour training, but I wanted better answers. I wanted more, um, you know, and I work with, I did, I did some, some talks and some laughter yoga classes with the live strong program at the Y oh, yeah. and, um, and I really liked working with the, you know, with that, you know, specific um, group obviously because I had been through it myself, sure. but I could see how my specialization and working with um, a specific uh, chronic illness um, or disease, you know, I could really kind of focus on that. For the teenagers, I found a lot of anxiety, test anxiety, um, and just, uh, you know, teenage interpersonal you know, um, lack of confidence stuff. And so I I focused on that with them a lot, doing breathing and, and relaxation techniques to help them and visualization of, you know, testing and, and how, you know, feeling good about that. So with those experiences in mind, I found out about this yoga therapy program, and that's exactly what it does. And we, we can work in groups. I mean, we can, I can teach a class now because again, I'm, I'm, I'm learning about, yoga for Parkinson's. I'm learning about yoga for chronic pain about, um, I mean, you pretty much name the, the, um, issue and we're covering it over the course of these two years. It's a really intensive. It's all, it's science and research based. Um, and when we graduate from this program, um, and I, I think Samantha Fox was the yoga therapist. Is that right? That you had on?
0: Samantha Parker. Parker yep. Parker. I'm sorry. Yep. Parker.
1: So she, you know, like she said, it's about a thousand hours worth of credit and we get a certification through the international accrediting body, IAYT, um, and it enables us to go even into hospital settings. um, I'm excited about the VA's hiring yoga therapists to work with veterans um, with different chronic, you know, issues and things. So, you know, you can't do that as a yoga instructor, but as a yoga therapist, you can do that. And then again, it's a lot of one-on-one work to nice. work specifically with we call them clients because we're not doctors, so they're not right. our patients, right? But um but working with our clients to help them address a specific need. You know, I've got, you know, terrible pain in my neck. Well, maybe it might be some disc de- degeneration of course we get the the notes from a, a doctor you mm-hmm. know and then we can try to help them do some things with yoga with breathing you know with I mean, when i say yoga i mean with the asanas the um yeah. the, the the physical practice but also we can work with uh, breathing helping with relaxation because some of that neck pain might be stress and anxiety due to sure. you know, shoulders that are all That's tight right. and tension right right so um the thing that I like too about yoga therapy, and it, it takes me back to when I was a little girl and I grew up in Pennsylvania in a little town outside of Harrisburg called Camp Hill. But I remember going to Dr. Sam Smith and he was my doctor. He was my mother's doctor, and my family doctor, right? He was right. also, he, he was my mom's doctor was she grew up in that town. He, he was my grandparents doctor, you know, so wow. he knew the family and he knew our story doctors these days like I experienced with my cancer treatment amazing at working with a disease. Mm -hmm. And so they were experts, you know, at dealing with anal cancer. And but as I had asked them, well what can I do for the whole picture of me? Mm -hmm. You know, and and they couldn't do that. And so yoga therapy takes the person as a whole. You know, the doctor deals with the disease or the the issue, but we can take the, the client as a whole and try to you know, see what opportunities there are to help heal right. um, in, in all aspects of our our person.
0: Nice. Yeah, it totally does. Um and I want to come back to the laughter yoga, but before we do that, um I'm actually going through a program here called the the Virginia High Performance, um, where they incorporate several modalities to um healing um uh, special operators out here on the on the east coast in Virginia, uh which They don't, funny enough, they don't have yoga, but they've got, um, you know, good stretching, um, and, and there's some breathing pieces. Then there's chiropractics, uh, there's actually floating where you you do the sensory, uh, deprivation tank, um, and, and kind of that allows you to release a lot of tension and, and meditate if you're comfortable doing that. And then they bring in, um, instead of a massage therapist, she, she, she is a licensed massage therapist, but she's a man, what she calls manual therapy because she doesn't want people to think that you're going in there to get like this comfortable, relaxing massage and stuff to help to loosen some of that tension that you were talking about that people may be holding in their necks, Mm -hmm. but something that I think they probably should incorporate. And now that we're having this discussion, maybe I'll have a a discussion with the the leader of the, the whole thing is, is incorporating yoga into it to help to, kind of round out that whole of body healing that you were talking about so uh, yeah it's, it's absolutely incredible what you can do with your own body and mind um, by doing some of these different healing modalities that are that are out there and, and you are obviously an example of what you can do um, and now you're sharing that so that's that's phenomenal um, coming back to the laughter yoga uh, i want to touch on that just briefly uh, can you tell our listeners what that is and what what that looks like
1: Sure. So the interesting thing is, and there's TED Talks you can, you can, you know, Google uh, TED Talk about laughter yoga. There's some really fun and great ones, and they'd be great to do right now where we're all kind of stuck inside to watch. But um, laughter yoga is all about laughing. But the interesting thing is, our body doesn't know and our mind doesn't know if it's fake or it's real. So that saying, fake it till you make it. Yeah, because if you start laughing, if you start faking, you, you can't. You end up just naturally falling into real laughter. I mean, even when I was, so I started faking it in the mirror. You know, this morning when I was prepping again, yeah. because because what happens when you laugh, right? All you're really doing is, is extending your exhale.
0: Yeah, which is tapping into your parasympathetic. That's what we do
1: in the pranayama or breathing practice. Exactly, yeah. by activating the parasympathetic nervous system. So laughter activates the parasympathetic nervous system, just like, you know, just like our breathing practices in yoga yeah. do. So, you know, because you, you inhale, but then you're laughing and it's, you just, you'll, 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 if you practice it, if you just try it, you know, at home, you'll see that that exhale is, is um, extended because you're laughing it out. So, and there's all, and I can't, I mean, I, there are so many different statistics that I could quote. Um, that about laughter, like we said, it's the best medicine, but you know, there's a t- statistic out there that says that it's a hundred times more potent than morphine as far wow. as a pain reliever again, because of the chemicals that our body releases while we're laughing, right. That helps with pain relief. Yeah. It, um, And again, it actually massages our core muscles, you know what I mean? And, um, and, and of course our, your blood pressure, you know, if you worry about someone with high blood pressure, it does elevate slightly, but then, then I mean, just for a very brief time, but then it it really, um, actually lowers blood pressure. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So, um, and what, and like I said, so in a laughter yoga class and I've taught it to my teenagers, um in my yoga classes i've taught it to uh senior citizens and you know i i put it out there as a you know i, I tried it i put it out at a uh, the chamberlain it's a senior community over at old fort monroe um i i you know i offered a class and i wasn't sure how many people would show up and the first time i got 12 and the next class i mean a week later i put it back on cuz they were saying let's do it again and then i yeah. had 20 show mm-hmm. up and you know what i mean like they were they loved it and so you know you start um by you know and we call them laughter they're like as, laughter asanas or little exercises yeah. um because we 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 play games right so we might um pretend that we're on a cell phone and somebody's telling us a joke <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, I can't so, even help
0: but laugh. Right, to, right. Yeah.
1: And when you have, and the nice thing about laughter yoga too, it's really great to do it with somebody else yeah. or if, if you're by yourself, you really should do it in the mirror because eye contact is important, yeah. and, you know, and it does help and and laughter's contagious. And so when you're in a group setting like that, or even, you know, on FaceTime or, or like this in Zoom, you know, just to laugh together is, is so healing. Um, sure. And so, you know, it's about a, usually about a 30 minute class. That, that you do with the laughter class and you do all all kinds of things. Like, I mean, um, you, you, you might just practice different laughter sounds like, ha, 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 ha. (laughs) <laughs> right and um yeah yeah i mean you can't right, right? yeah
0: i seriously can't yeah. i can't sit here with a straight face why right, are you doing right. that it's, it's beautiful i love it, is. it
1: it is and it makes you feel better i mean it, it exercises your face muscles and and it just again um you only have really have to do it for a few minutes for the the effects of it really you start to kind of just feel really good. A lot like you feel after the end of a yoga class or after mm-hmm. the end of a great workout, you know, yeah. that, that those endorsements high. Yes. Yes. So yeah. Laughter high instead of a runner's high. Yeah. So um, I encourage again, the listeners to, it's a great exercise to do with your family sitting around the dinner table. We, I mean, especially now we're all getting on right? each other's nerves. right? <laughs> so just, just, I, you know, there's also a video out there and I can't think of what it's called. It, it's, it's, it's not even from the US, but it's it's a little laughter video, and it's an older woman that gets on a bus full of people, and she just starts, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and before, I mean, in, in a few minutes, the whole bus is laughing, oh, and they looked, awesome. so it was winter, and it was raining, and they all looked so depressed, and all she started doing was a little personal laughter out loud, and the, and, you know, by the end, everybody's. You know, engaging with each other, they're making eye contact, they're smiling, and the whole mood of the bus was just lifted just by that one seed, that laughter seed that was planted. You know, with that woman. So, so that's what laughter. I mean, when I tell people I do laughter yoga, even yogi, yog people that practice that are yoga instructors that haven't experienced it, they look at they look at me like I'm insane.
0: Yeah, uh, but, I'm, I'm sure it's not well it's not well known, but I'm it sure it will easy. it will get better known in the coming years. Yes. especially with what we've got going on right now. That's kind right. of uh, got the the country kind of in a slump. Uh,
1: right, right. There's so much stuff. intensity right now. And, you know, we're we're all focused on, we want the news, we want the latest, and, you know, and how are we going to get through this? Yeah. If we can shut all that off, you know, and just spend some time in meditation or, you know, or doing laughter or doing art, some something where we can just shut all that off for a few minutes and right. breathe you right.
0: know we'll we'll get through it. We will. Right? We will. Definitely. It's uh it's going to be different in the future, but we're going to get through it and uh we'll, we'll be fine. So um uh, all right. So I wanted to come back to a, a couple things. So your your husband was a ranger, uh West Point grad. Now your son is a ranger. Correct. Um knowing the life of a ranger, how is that being the mom? Of a ranger,
1: it is hard. I will say, Um, but again, I think there's this aspect of having been there. I mean, well, I was a supply officer, so I, I, I didn't do. I mean, he did. You know, basic training down at Fort Benning, infantry basic training. He started this past last March, and then he went to airborne school, and then he went to ranger assessment. You know, uh, um, and then he reported out to Fort Lewis. Uh, with the Second Ranger Battalion, I'm wearing his um, t shirt, his uh, logo. Oh, from his, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so um, he reported there in the uh, right before Christmas, but so I think you know, kind of being familiar. I mean, being familiar with the military, there is a sense of he's to that it creates, kind of knowing and and having been stationed at Fort Benning and having been stationed at Fort Lewis, that idea of being able to picture where he is and what he's doing and understanding, you know, through what my husband shared with his training and his experiences. So I think it helps a lot to be able to visualize Mm -hmm. what he's doing and where he is. So that helps reduce some anxiety. Um, and then I'm just so proud, you know, of him and his, I mean, he is just really, and he's young ho. He's, he's so excited and, um, so committed and I, I just love seeing that. So when you have children that are in, that are doing the thing that they really love, it's hard to feel anything but happiness for them and pride. Right. Yeah. Um, no matter what they do, what, you know, whatever their passion is, if they've been able to find a way to, to connect with that passion, then, you know, you, yeah, sure. Am I going to be nervous because they're supposed to deploy now? I don't know You know, they're supposed to deploy, uh, you know, shortly, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know what, but, but, you know, the, the deployments are in his future. And, sure. um, and I know that, but I know he's doing what he, what he is meant to do. And so I will breathe. I will, pra- <laughs> when I go. get anxious about it, I'll practice, you know, um, yoga. yes. Yep. <laughs> and, and just, and have that sort of faith in knowing that he's, he's, you know, where he's at. And I know right now, you know, it's scary too having him so far away with this situation with the uh, virus. Right. But I know that the military's really good at crisis management and um, he's actually getting, so he also got married at Christmas. Oh wow, congrats. Yeah, he got married. So, um, so, and his his wife just went out there right before sort of all the, before it hit heavy. Yes. And so, but they get their keys to their, their on post um, apartment t- tomorrow. So they'll, you know, they'll be on post and, um, yeah, yes. Yep. But, um, but I know, like I said, I think it's, it's all about knowing that they are pursuing their passion and feeling good about that.
0: Does he have any uh, desire to go to West Point in this future?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, you know, he may, um, you know, follow the, uh, the enlisted career track and be a Sergeant major. And, you know, I mean, he loves soldiers and soldiering and working with soldiers. And he's also, I mean, he was always that kid who uh, mentored, you know, sort of took care of the other ones um, that fell behind or fell out or whatever. And, and I know when Matt had to leave, you know, I finished my cancer treatment, but I was really sick and weak. Um, And he left for deployment and Patrick as a third grader stepped up. He's like, I got this mom, you know, wow. You know, and so he's always sort of been that that sort of um
0: sergeant major in the making.
1: Yes, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, who like knows? It. Who knows? But um, it's you know wh- whatever he feels um, is right for him, will support. Yeah. But yeah,
0: well, good for him. It's it's great that you've got such a such a great kid and, or young man. Sorry, um, yeah. that that is uh, a, a mentor for others and a, and a leader at the same time. Those uh, those are sometimes. Uh, rare to find the leaders and mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh last thing, last topic I want to hit is your being a teacher mm-hmm. in this particular time with with the coronavirus and schools being shut down, businesses being shuttered here in Virginia. Um, what what does how has that affected you and uh in, in both your high school teaching and as a yoga teacher, uh how's how has the coronavirus affected you?
1: So I wasn't working, I mean, I, I, I'm certified uh, and licensed to teach high school English, but I was working with um, a homeschool program oh, okay. um, in, in the Hampton Roads area called Renaissance School of the Arts. Okay. And so I would have, I taught um, writing classes. I had about 10 students a year. I did, I did it for three years um, teaching writing. And then I did tutoring, um, SAT prep um, grammar, you know, and work with, with teenagers that were, um, otherwise homeschooling, but we'd meet once a week and I'd work with them. Um, and so, and then of course, now that I'm in school, I've, I've, um, I'm sort of on sabbatical from all that and, and from my teaching here at the Y as a yoga instructor as well. And so, um, you know, so I'm, I'm taking these two years off to f- focus because this master's program is intense. Sure. Um, so, but I know that um, it's hard for families that are used to their kids going to school every day. And the nice thing is many resources now. I mean, Khan Academy is amazing. I mean, we even use it at as with our master's program in watching Khan Academy videos about the respiratory system and, nice. and things. So it's a really great program that's available to everybody. And it's something that, you know, so I still have a 17 year old at home who, who came down two days ago and said, mom, he was a junior, right? He said, I'm a senior now, <laughs> wait, 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 you know, um, he, uh, cause he said school's canceled. So I don't, yeah. I'm and I said, well, we got some, you got some stuff. So no, <laughs> I, I haven't been homeschooling him. I, you know, I, I, I want, you know, I'm going to try to use those resources online, like, like Khan Academy to, yeah. um to, uh, to help him fill the gaps that he will have missed by finishing up the school year. Um, good
0: for you. but good then for also
1: like I pulled out a book too, because, um, for the little ones, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard, but, but like, I don't know, do you know, cause you're, how old are yours?
0: Yeah. I, I, I've actually got that book. Yeah. Uh, I, I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old Okay, and I, I was given that book by a good friend.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just reading with them. And you know there, there's stuff. There's even Khan Academy stuff for 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 younger kids too. But um, but like this book because I thought about you know I talked about when one door closes another opens. Right. In here, the farmer's luck story about how you know there's this really old farmer, yeah. and he's got a son who helps him with the farm because he's too old to really do it. So you know the story. Right. right. And so you know, and and his horse runs away. And the neighbors are like, oh, such bad luck.
0: Yeah. Like, well, like, well, good well, luck, bad luck. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: day and but that, that horse brings back two wild horses. And now he's got three. So it goes through. Right. But it, those kind of stories, I think, can help kids understand that we're in a place right now. Yeah. You know, it's not so good, but, you know, it opens up other doors, you sure. know, so it's it time for us to spend with family time for them to maybe do some things engage in other act you know creative activities that they might not have been able to do so i guess it's always and i've said this to my boys too and i think this is a way i've i've you know looked at my life when you feel like you've got options then you you know you can get through it too you know right. you feel like there's things you know it's there's things out there and so um you know books are great um and drawing and, and writing and all that yeah. stuff um and then just letting them play too i mean you know, there's, there's, we, we're almost have, had gotten to the point where the kids weren't allowed to be imaginative and creative anymore. They were right. so structured. It's, it's a change for us, but you know, it might open up some doors or some, some other interests perhaps. Definitely.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you've seen, uh, Ken Robinson. I think it's Ken Robinson, yes. his, his Ted talk on how yes. school is kind of stunting creativity. Um, and, and then his books uh, are, are phenomenal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so for I'm our listeners, share. yeah, if you haven't uh, looked at or watched uh, Ken, Sir Ken Robinson's TED Talk on creativity and how schools are killing creativity, um, it's, a, it's a phenomenal talk. Uh, and hilarious too. I mean, he yeah. does a great job of really, yeah. if you want to laugh, that's another way to laugh. Right. Yeah, so, right. Um, well, Heather, this is, this has been awesome. I uh, really appreciate everything that we've discussed up to this point as we kind of come to the closing of the show. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you want to make sure our listeners hear?
1: I think maybe just taking it back to the yoga piece for mm-hmm. me, um, tying it all together again, another thing I was, you know, thinking about, uh, our, our talk today and you know when you lay down to sleep and you're just about to fall asleep is when you have some of the, your best ideas, yeah. right? And if you don't write them down quick, you'll forget them
0: right? <laughs> Definitely, So,
1: but that happens to be frequently and and it, again that took me back to yoga because if you think about it as you're relaxing and falling off To sleep, um, you know, you're breathing, you know, your parasympathetic nervous system kicking in right. your your body's relaxing and that's when you can have some of your greatest ideas you know, and so um, again, you know, uh, given our bodies and our minds an opportunity, you know, through practicing yoga, which creates that relaxation response that activates the parasympathetic nervous system, reduces allostatic load, right? Because that's what we're all in this. We're in this yeah. stress load, you right. know, which is wearing us down, you know. And so if we can, you know, practice a little bit of whatever yoga is your yoga, whether it's you know, because yoga it means many things. I mean, it's an right. umbrella term for all the different ways that we um, we interact with our bodies and our minds, right? And so, whether it's you know through asana practice with the body and physical poses, or whether it's through meditation or or pranayama breathing, mm-hmm. or whether and again, you know, to me, walking um, being in nature, uh, and and again, taking it back to the bagpipe thing, I mean, music to me is very healing, and it's very focused. So when I'm playing, I'm not thinking about anything else. And even though bagpipes are strenuous to play, I'm so relaxed when I'm playing them because I'm in a state, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm You're in flow. Yes. And yeah. so, but even listening to music, you know, anything that allows your brain to stop the chatter and to, to, you know, to slow down the monkey mind right? Um, and gives your brain and your body an opportunity to let it all go. That's, that's yoga. And that's what I want to share, um, with, you know, with everybody. And, and that's why I'm here.
0: Well, yeah. And, and you're doing a great job of sharing this with, with our listeners. If they wanted to reach out to you to have, ask any questions, uh, or just to contact you in general, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Um, probably I've got a uh, uh a card um that my, my business is
0: just a quick update heather and i spoke since we recorded this and her email is actually pipes and more at gmail.com pipes and more m-o-o-r-e at gmail.com so heather uh, this has been awesome thank you so much for coming on the show sharing your story of of you know overcoming adversity finding yoga the, the support networks that you had with the, the spouses in the, in the military, um, the laughter yoga piece, uh, this has been a, a very enjoyable show. I've laughed through it, exactly. so I, I hope exactly. our exactly. listeners are, are able to laugh through it and then uh, and then learn from it. So thanks again. It's uh, It's been phenomenal having you on.
1: Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. For our listeners and viewers, thank you again for listening or watching our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you're enjoying the show, please hit the subscribe button here on the podcast or on YouTube. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, and again, please share it with anyone you feel needs to hear our message. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.